0: Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the least of these podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. be my endless. sing that one in a while. (laughs) I don't know how many of y'all know that one, but used to sing that all the time in the churches, you know, and and, uh, at least the ones, a couple of them I was in anyway. So I used to sing a lot of these songs. Anyway, it's good to be with y'all again today and thankful for the rain that we've been getting, not a ton, at least we haven't. I heard a guy the other day said he'd gotten 15 inches in the last week and a half. we got maybe about three, I think. <laughs> so anyway, well, we're gonna be back in the book of 1 John today and remember the book of John. The book of 1 John is about the fact that he says in 1 John 5, 13, that these things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. We don't have to hope that we have eternal life but we have a no-so faith, right? Because Jesus said, whoever believes has everlasting life, right? That's what he told Nicodemus. He didn't say, Nicodemus, if you do this, don't do that. You do this or do that. If you behave or whatever, you'll be make it to heaven. But if you, but if you mess up somewhere along the line, I'm going to take it away from you. That's not what he said. He said, whoever believes has right now, today, eternal life. So that's First John five thirteen. We'll actually we probably get to that verse today because we're getting close to the book of into the book of First John. And remember, he writes that that these people would believe the things they've heard from the beginning. And so what he's going to do today is he's going to kind of go back and give us a commentary on the kind of the first part of the the book. When he comes back and kind of wrap everything up, because remember he starts the book. He says that which was from the beginning which you've heard, which you've seen, which our hands have handled the word of life. And they said, believe only that thing that you've heard and that was true in the beginning. In other words, if it's about the Bible, if it's new, it's not true. Now, there can be lots of things that are true now that weren't true or, or we didn't know were true, I guess. But uh, when it comes to the Bible, there's nothing new under the sun. And so we look at the Bible and we see that that John wanted them to have this fellowship and their fellowship was with God the Father and with Jesus Christ his son. And so when we look at this section of scripture we're going to see that he comes in and remember he's been talking about the moral test, the test of obedience, he's been talking about the test of love and he's been talking about the test of who our Jesus is. And he's going to kind of wrap all that up today, kind of talking about believing who Jesus is. But he's going to wrap up this book, and then we'll have one more, probably one more message after this. But he's continued through this book, and last time we talked about that: who is a believer, but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God, right? Who is an overcomer? It's the one that believes that Jesus is Christ, and and he's the Son of God. So... We are able to overcome the world because Jesus overcame the world, right? Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And in the book of Revelation, he says, he who overcomes, I will give to him the crown of life. And he tells all these churches, all these different things that he will give them. But the overcomers are not the ones that make it by the skin of their teeth because they fought, fought and clawed and did all these things and got there on their own, but they're the ones that belong to Jesus. And because we belong to Jesus, He keeps us, He hangs on to us. Yes, we still work, and we still do the things we're supposed to do, but the reason we don't lose our salvation is because Jesus is the one that hangs on to us. He said, we have eternal life. And so when we get to verse six today, uh, first John chapter five, he says, This is he who came by the water and the blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things have him written to you that... You who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So he's going to tell us a couple of things. First, he wants to start out and he's going to talk about these witnesses. So he talks about these witnesses and he comes in and he says, this is he who came by the water and the blood. And then he tells us who that is, Jesus Christ not only by the water, but by the water and the blood. So let's stop right there because John, what John is doing is because some of these people, remember when I told y'all, the people that John's writing this book to refute, to contradict the lies that they've been telling, they were saying that at Jesus' baptism, basically when the Spirit of God came down like a dove, remember the Holy Spirit came down when he was baptized, That they said that that's when Jesus became God. And when he was on the cross, he ceased to be God because flesh was evil and spirit was good. So flesh could not, God could not suffer. And so he left that body. Now, if that was true, his death on the cross wouldn't have done anything for anybody, right? Because Jesus is all God and he's all man. He had to be all God to save us, to die for our sins because a man could not die in our place because he could not bear the punishment that God poured out on his son, right? Because he poured the sins of everybody who's ever been born, ever has been born, ever will be born on Jesus Christ. And before he died, he said, it is finished. But he had to be a man because guess what? He had to be somebody that died in our place. He had to be our substitute. He had to be one who could, and always identify with us. And always tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so he's all God and he's all man. And so he says here, he came by the water and the blood. And then he says, Jesus Christ. This is Jesus Christ, right? This is not just a man, but this is Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus means he will save his people from his sins. And Christ just means the anointed one, the anointed one of God, the Messiah. Christ is not his last name, right? And he says, not only by the water, but by, by the water and the blood. So he's talking about, first of all here, by the water, he's talking about by his baptism. So God the Father testified two, at two times in Jesus's life, not only two, but he, he, he testified at what? When he's on the, when he's getting baptized, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, right? But then he testifies at his death when he's dying by his shedding his blood on the cross, he's testifying because guess what? It's dark, it's black as night for three hours. And during that period of time, see the people use that verse that Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And they say, well, Jesus wasn't God anymore. But that's not what that verse says. It means that God the Father, it says in Isaiah 53, it pleased God to bruise him. Somehow or another, God the Father separated himself enough from God the Son, turned his back on him, and poured the wrath of the whole world on Jesus during that three-hour period of time. And so when Jesus could die, when died three hours later, he could say, "It is finished. Your sin debt has been paid in full." Right. And so he came not only by the water, but by the water and the blood. So the and then he says, "It is the Spirit who bears witness." There was the Spirit. There it is, baptism, and the Spirit is the one who speaks to our heart. The Spirit is the one who is the witness in the world. He says, because the spirit is truth, right? And remember that you are supposed to have three witnesses, right? According to, I think it's Deuteronomy 19 verse 15, the Bible says, unless you have two or three witnesses that you cannot establish a matter, right? But you have to have those two or three witnesses to establish a matter. And so he says, here's the water and the blood and then the spirit, right? And then there's a little crazy thing here that in verse seven that actually in verse seven, you know, somebody said that we have like 103% of the Bible. Do you know that sometimes people had a Bible? Well, they didn't actually have a Bible back in then, but they would get these copies. They didn't have copiers like we do today. They didn't have computers like we do today. They had to write everything out by hand, right? And so somebody might have been had a parchment or scroll and they had it and they they were right they were studying that scroll and all of a sudden the Lord you know kind of spoke to the heart about something and they wrote a little note out there in the side, right? And then and then somebody else comes and says, can I borrow your scroll to copy it? And they would copy it. And so the person would copy that. And so over time Some little things here and there got copied into the scriptures, and they tell you in the Bible there's usually a note if you've got a good reference Bible and a Bible with notes. But you know what? None of those things that these people wrote contradict what the Bible says. It's just kind of a addition. It's sort of like subscribable notes that say it's almost like having a commentary in your Bible. But they usually mark those up. And this is one of those verses that wasn't supposed to be conclu- uh, included here. But there's nothing in here that contradicts what the rest of it says. He says, because he said, There are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Well, we know that's true, right? There's three that bear witness, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Who's the Word? Jesus. And these three are one. So that doesn't contradict anything the Bible says but that section is not really in our Bible. But what he, what we should do is actually go from verse six to verse eight, and, and some of the Bibles just take that out completely and read it like this. And it is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. And there are three that bear witness on the earth, the spirit, the water and the blood. And these three agree as one. So what he's saying here is that the water, the spirit and the blood all agree, right? And you could take this and just say the water is his baptism, his blood is his death and then the spirit, these things agree that Jesus was God and that he died for our sins and he died in our place and he did everything that was necessary for us to go to heaven, right? So don't get confused, and I probably maybe shouldn't even brought that up, but you know, to be true to the text, we do sometimes have extra little things in the Bible that have been written in there. And there's nothing that's ever been found in the Bible. They go all the way back to, there's more copies of the Bible than there are of copies of like Homer's Iliad and all these things. And people don't doubt that Homer's Iliad is written like it was supposed to be. And, you know, and then it's right and somebody didn't mess it up. But when they come to the Bible, they want to say, oh, well, somebody messed that up. They didn't copy it right or they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know the Greek or they didn't know this or they didn't know that. And they try to change it and say that, well, we can't trust the Bible but you know they got people that study this stuff over and over and over and over again and they look all the way back to the original documents that are really really close to the time that jesus lived and died and you know what none of those things there's not enough difference in there and anything that's different does not contradict anything else in the bible how about that so you can bank on this the bible says The scripture is is inspired of God. It's profitable for all scripture, right? And the Bible says that God wrote this word. And so in the original autographs, it was perfectly, completely God's word. What we have today in our hands is a trustworthy Bible. We can trust on it. We can bank on it. We can know that there's nothing here. That contradicts what was originally written in the original parchments and scrolls and all that. You know, even when they went and that little boy he threw that rock into the cave over the over over by the Dead Sea and they found all them jars of the Dead Sea scrolls, and they were they were the oldest copies of the Bible they had. And they broke they they'd been hidden in these clay jars and they found them to be exactly like everything that they had at that particular time. And so you don't have to worry about our Bible. It's been checked, rechecked, and tripled about a million checked probably by now. So he says these three agree, and they are on earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. So the Spirit is the Holy Spirit, and he agrees that Jesus was God at baptism. He was God at his death. He is The one who came to die on the cross for our sins, right? And then he goes on and he says, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, right? And you know, all the time we take people's word, right? Or at least we used to. I don't know how much we do anymore. But a lot of times we take people's word and they say, well, this is true and this is true. And, you know, we have to be a little bit more careful today. But every day we, take the, we believe that that guy's riding down the road on the other side of the road, that he's not gonna pull over in our lane and hit us, right? Or that uh, somebody says, yeah, this food's good. I just got through cooking it, it won't hurt you. You know, we eat it and, and, and it doesn't hurt us, right? But because, so we take people's words all the time, but he says what? The witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. This is the witness he's testified of his Son. What does he testify? He, he who believes in the Son of God has this witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he's not believed the testimony that God has given him of his Son. And how many times did he say it? At least twice he verbally spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. At his baptism on the Mount of Transfiguration, there was another time, and I don't remember where it was at, but Jesus spoke and, and the Father spoke from heaven and some said, oh, it was thunder or it was, a, it was a rumbling or an earthquake or something, but it was God the Father speaking. And we know that he was testifying at Jesus' death through that death and through that darkness and everything and what happened at the end that centurion he said truly this was the son of god right Mm -hmm. and why did he know that because of god's testimony that that was his son as jesus lived (laughs) that perfect sinless life and he died on the cross and he said it's finished if we don't believe the testimony of god you know what John goes all the way back to the first chapter. He says, if you don't, if you say you haven't sinned, you make God a liar, you know, and he said several times that we're liars. And here he says that we've made God a liar. This is the second time that I know of that he said we've made God a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given him his son. And, And God said, hey, this is my son. He's he's the one who's going to die in your place. He's going to die for your sins. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. So he goes all the way back to chapter one. In him was life. You know, John chapter one, he says, and that life was the light of men, right? In chapter one of this, this book, he says, in him is light and in him there is no darkness. And he has given us eternal life, not just life for today or tomorrow or next week, but eternal life, right? And so he says, he who has the son has life, but he who does not have the son does not have life. Think about that, that if we don't have the son, we don't have life, right? Cause what? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him, right? So we think about Jesus, that in him was life, John 1, 5. And that life was the light of men, the holiness, the righteousness, the purity, the, all the good things that a man or a woman has in their life, right? Because without Jesus, what are we? <laughs> We're no good, are we? I mean, the Bible says all our righteousnesses is what? Filthy rags, right? And people are running around saying, you know, look at how good I am. Or look at all the good things I've done. And somebody said one time that, that uh, there's really, you might have done something good, but it's not good, good. In other words, it's good, good because of why? Because God Gave you the ability to want to, to desire to do it. And you didn't do it just because you wanted to be seen and heard and somebody pat you on the back, right? That's the kind of good that we do when we know the Lord. And so he says, this life is in his son. And he says, he who does not have the son does not have life. You know, and it's amazing how many people want to deny Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've ever realized it, but all the cults, every other belief, except for Jesus, except for Christianity, says that there's another way to heaven, or it's Jesus plus something. But true Christianity always says, it's Jesus plus nothing or minus nothing, because you can't add to what he did, you can't take away from what he did, right? Because Jesus, the song says, paid it all. That word to tell he said it is finished. That's the word that means your sin debt has been paid in full. And so when people say, well, I can lose my salvation, or I can walk away from it or God'll take it away from me, then they haven't read the 150 plus verses in the Bible that say, that's not so. That cannot be true. It'll never be true. And for people who say that you can't know you're saved, that's not true either. And that's why John finishes up here and he says, These things have I written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Notice he says, I've written to you who believe in the what? Name of the Son of God. What is the name? All the. He stands for right. He's holy and pure and righteous and good and he's God. And that name is the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, what? Philippians 2 says that every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of God the Father, right? And over and over and over again he says that in John three eighteen, he says, He who believes has eternal life but he who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed into what the name of the only begotten son of god right and so it's about the name if you honor the father and you don't honor the son you're not doing right but if you honor the son you honor the father if you honor the father you have to honor the son you cannot separate them and he says that you may know there's that conditional clause right i have written to you who believe in the name of the son of god that so when you believe in the name of the son of god the next thing that happens is that you may know that you have eternal life so once one thing happens you're able to say i know i have eternal life You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, I just asked God to forgive me. And they say, well, did he forgive you? Well, I don't know. Are they saved? No. Because why? They didn't take God at his word, right? The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Whoever believes, believing is taking God at his word, right? So when he says it, I believe it. And you know what, whether I believe it or not, it settles it because he said it, right? And he's the one that has the last word. He says that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. And uh, they kind of put continue to. But you know what, those who know Jesus Christ, they not only believe today, but they believe tomorrow. They believe this afternoon, tomorrow, tonight. You know, believing in Jesus isn't something somebody said, well, you know, one day I prayed a prayer, but their life doesn't demonstrate because after that they went off and began to live like the devil again. They didn't get saved. But when you know Jesus Christ, you believed in him yesterday when you asked him to forgive you and save you or whatever day it was, 20, 40, 50 years ago, however long ago it's been, you believed in him the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Sometimes we have these little niggling doubts and stuff, but we continue to believe, right? It's a, it's a past action with a continuing result. That's, but the bottom line is, is when God forgives you and saves you, it happened in the past, and it continues until the day we go to be with Jesus. No matter who we are, no matter what we have done in our lives. Sometimes we fail, we fall, we mess up as time goes on. But if we're true believers, there's nothing Romans 8 says can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, right? He says neither height nor depth, or things above, or things below, or created things, or any other thing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That's Romans 8, 31 to 39. I didn't quote all of those verses. But he says, nothing can separate us from God. So we don't have to worry. And what did Jesus say in John 10, 10? He said, I and my Father are one, and, and no one is greater than my Father, and no one can snatch him, snatch us out of His hand. And you know what? You're in the Son's hand, and then you're in the Father's hand. So you got like triple protection and then you go to Ephesians 1.13 and he says the moment you heard the word of truth, the moment you believed the gospel of your salvation, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee, the down payment, whatever you want to call it, the earnest money, the engagement ring. Until the redemption of the purchased possession. In other words, God gave us the Holy Spirit the moment we trusted Christ. and you know what? that Holy Spirit is the promise that one day he's coming back to get us. Sometimes we go to him, but our as I told somebody yesterday, they got a little confused, we die and our spirits and our souls go straight to heaven, right? But the bodies stay in the ground, and then one day when Jesus comes back at the rapture, he's going to call those bodies out the ground and he'll give us a new, perfected, holy body. And it'll be a body that can live in heaven and live with him forever. But you know what? Those that don't know the Lord, he will give them a body that can withstand hell forever and all the pain and suffering. And that's sad. So let's pray and, and just ask God to work in our lives today. And I pray that you know, that you know, that you know today that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Because it's just a matter of asking God to forgive you and saving you. It's not dependent on anything you or I could do or ever could do. But the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life, right? You ever notice that? I know I've said this before, but the free gift of God is a gift free. It's supposed to be, right? Now, some of these that they put on TV or somewhere, they say, well, we got a free gift for you, but there's a little catch, you know? (laughs) But it's like saying a free free or a gift gift, right? And so salvation is free. Galatians chapter six says, I think it's chapter five, chapter six. He says, That if you could get to heaven by the law, then Christ died in vain. In other words, if we could get to heaven without Jesus, he could have just stayed in heaven. He didn't need to come to earth. We could have got there on our own, right? But he came to die on the cross for our sins, to pay for our sins, and to make a way where there was no other way. Well, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for who you are. And for Jesus Christ and what he's done, Lord, we just lift up everybody here and just want to make sure that each and every one of us here today know that we know that we know if we die today, we'd go to heaven. If not, if there's somebody that's doubting or unsure, Lord, just that they would cry out today, just help them, Lord, to say, oh, God, I'm a sinner. Save me. And you said, whoever calls on your name and believes the truth about your son, that he is who he said he is, and he did what he said he did, and, and that he can have, we can have eternal life because of his death and his burial and his resurrection, we trust in that, and that alone, we can make it to heaven. Because you said, whoever calls on your name shall be saved. Not might be, not hope so, but shall be saved. And Lord, for the rest of us here that know you, and hopefully that's everybody, That we just thank you and praise you as Psalm 107 says, oh, that men would give thanks for the wonderful works of God and his mercy he shows us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.